from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana, and everything in between. Alongside Sean Fazan with John Bennett producing, I'm Garland Gillen, and today we are talking mock draft. Yes, indeed, it is mock draft season. But first, we will remind you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends. If you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit a question. Now let's get to it. Sean Fazan releases his second mock draft. First round with a 24th pick. Overall, the New Orleans Saints take Patrick Queen, linebacker out of LSU. Given the developments of free agency over the last couple of weeks, generally why I do my second mock draft right after the the free agency kind of winds down a little bit. You're even starting to see a little bit with the national coverage coverage right now, things are moving more into the uh, the draft um, portion of the offseason calendar. Um, I like Patrick Queen. I think he's a guy that fits in well with what the Saints want to do. I think he's a guy that would play play well off of Demario Davis. I think he's a guy that fits what they need in terms of a linebacker. Uh, he can go sideline to sideline against the run. And he's very, he does very well in coverage. Uh, the depth he drops when he plays into a zone, I don't think people realize just how much of, a, of an advantage that gives a defensive coordinator with eliminating certain throws from a, uh, from a quarterback, a particular one that utilizes the intermediate middle part of the field. So um, for all those reasons and the, in, in the, uh, just the uh, chance of likelihood of him being available at 24, I say if Queen is there, go with him at 24 if you New Orleans Saints. Some mock drafts also have Kenneth Murray up there, uh, Bucky Brooks, and Daniel Jeremiah of Move the Sticks uh, fame. Uh, NFL Network, they had a podcast. They put a comparison of those two guys. Some people like Kenneth Murray. Some like uh, Patrick Queen. Kenneth Murray has more stats, has more starts. Mm -hmm. What do you like? If you put them head-to-head, if you had a shot at both of them, you would go Patrick Queen. What do you like that's different between Queen and Kenneth Murray? Okay, here's where it is. Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray first physically are different, okay? Murray 6'3", 240. Queen is barely 6'1", and about 220. Physically different. Um, B, to me, Kenneth Murray reminds me a lot of Demario Davis, a bigger guy that can cover, and against the run, he's great. You look at his tackles for loss, 17 tackles for loss last year, which goes to show you that he's disrupting plays in the backfield. You don't see that as much with Patrick Queen. He's Like I said, against the run, because of his size, he's more sideline to sideline. But he's more Debo Jones, a guy that can cover, a guy that can make plays in the passing game, a guy that can take away certain routes and can play the run, albeit a different style. He's not necessarily a downhill run stopper the way Kenneth Murray can be. He's more of a sideline to sideline run stuffer. So I think Murray is very similar to Demario Davis. And I think you have two guys pretty similar, whereas if you had Queen, you have two guys that can kind of play off each other a little bit. Both guys can cover. Both guys are three-down linebackers. But both guys' skill sets kind of mer- kind of kind of they complement each other well, as opposed to two guys that do pretty similar things. If the Saints did draft Patrick Queen uh, in the first round, is there a possibility he could play right away with Alex Anzalone and Kiko Alonso? Also, that mix does he have that kind of? Uh, 
resume. Uh, I know he hasn't started a lot of games at LSU. Could he be thrown right in the mix game one? Possibly. We, we There's precedent for that. Eric McCoy eliminated that center competition very early in training camp last year. Um, if he comes in and outplays people and it's very clear and obvious, absolutely the Saints will have no hesitations. Or should the Saints pick him or whoever the, whoever the team that picks him may be. Um, you know, they, there's Kiko Alonso, obviously a veteran. If he's healthy, I think he's a good player. Um and there's obviously Demario Davis, Alex Anzalone, who I've liked over the years, but he can't stay healthy. Um, so if Queen comes in and it's close and he's a guy that, that certainly is a guy that's, you know, the, the trajectory is going upward, then I think, yes, he would have a chance to step in and play pretty quickly. Um, and then when they get into their multiple sets, um, third down, whatever, even if he's not a, a every down linebacker right away, you can see him in certain situations if he can pick up the defense and understand uh, what Dennis Allen wants to do. So, yeah, I think all those options would be on the table. Yeah. All right, the Saints don't have a second-round pick, but in the third round, the New Orleans Saints take? Bryce Hall, cornerback out of Virginia. He's one of the um, the holdovers from mock draft number one, one of two players, and we'll get to the other player next. Um, Bryce Hall had a leg injury, ankle injury, cost him his senior year, could have gone out after his junior year, probably would have been a first-round pick had that happened. Leg injury will probably cost him a few rounds. Um, there's a chance he won't be there at 88, but for the purposes of this mock, he was available. Um, long corner, um, can play man-to-man. Uh, excuse me, he's, he's more, probably more of a, of a cover three zone type corner as opposed to a, a man-to-man guy that goes all the way across the field. Um, what I really liked about him was his ability to, um, when he they need an outside corner as, as sort of a, a guy that could be the next one up when Janoris Jenkins finally when they finally move on from him. But he's a bigger corner that uses the boundary as an, as an aid when he's guarding receivers down the rail, down the, down the sideline. So I like Bryce Hall. And I also saw this, too, on his highlight tape. Virginia used him a lot off the edge to blitz. And it's just a little niche that he has that I think uh, could work well within this defense. So Bryce Hall is who I'm going with. In the fourth round, this kid was Coached by one of our all-time favorites last year, Lane Kiffin, the Lane Train of Florida Atlantic. Of course, now Lane is off at Ole Miss. But in the fourth round, the Saints possibly going offense with a former Florida Atlantic owl. Harrison Bryant is his name. And every now and then I'll go do my my draft um, kind of research and I'll just kind of stumble upon a guy I'd never heard of. And I'll just go and, and watch the tape. Then I'll find another thing. I'll watch the tape again. And when I say tape, it, it's all, all I can really – I don't have access to all 22. It's really highlight film. Um, so it's, it's their best play, so mind you. Um, and I was watching it, and I'm like, man, this guy's got a little bit of George Kittle to him. And sure enough, I go on NFL.com, and one of his comparisons, you guessed <laughs> it, is George Kittle. George nice. Kittle slipped in the draft. Harrison Bryant coming out of Florida Atlantic. Um, he was a former offensive tackle who converted to a tight end. And normally when you see that, it's more of a blocking type tight end. But this guy, watch him run his routes. He is so smooth out of his breaks for a big man. I think the Saints could use an infusion of youth at the tight end position. There's some unknowns there behind Josh Hill and obviously Jared Cook is going to be 33 years old this season. So Harrison Bryant was one of those tape guys that I just really, really, really liked. He's the second one that came from the last mock draft to this mock draft. So Harrison Bryant, I think, could be, if he's available in the fourth round, he could be a nice addition to this offense. All right. Uh, a lot of people uh, are uh, hedging bets on the Saints' first-round pick. A lot of people are saying linebacker. They're also saying wide receiver. But you have finally a Saints taking a wide receiver in the fifth round out of the Minnesota. Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of Minnesota. 
Uh, Minnesota's all-time leader in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. A very productive career at Minnesota. The scouts say uh, he doesn't have top-end speed. Clearly, he can be sort of a bigger possession-type receiver. Um, that that Sean Payton has a creative enough mind to certainly um, uh, figure out a way to use him, if not right away, at some point in the future. I watched his stuff. Played a lot against, played against a lot of Big Ten schools. Um, you know. Pick, pick a conference outside of the SEC that's the best in, in college football. I mean, I think Big Ten would be up there at some point because they got a lot of diversity of skill sets, a lot of different style of teams, and he was productive against a lot of teams. And he played in Minnesota that had a great year last year. Um, what's their coach's name? He's a he's a big kind of rah-rah guy. Oh, you're talking uh, P.J. Fleck, P.J. Fleck, that's Row right. the boat, yeah, row, row the, the boat. boat. Right. Um, and when I, I started watching it, I was like, okay, this guy plays on the outside. He plays on the inside. He uses his size well. So what if he times at four six and a half or four seven? Who cares? If he's a a guy that can catch the ball and use his size well, I think he could fit in. So I went with Tyler Johnson, wide receiver out of Minnesota. In that wide receiver room, if the do if the Saints do draft one uh, this year, uh, I mean you got uh, Traquan Smith, you got Deontay Harris. What they brought Tommy Lee Lewis? Is yeah, back. I believe Tommy Lee Lewis is back. Yeah. And uh, I that and then. The, the big the big star of last training camp that got lost once the season started was Emmanuel uh, Butler. Butler. So uh, it, whoever's going in is going to have a lot of competition. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Always is the case when it comes to training camp because there's so many – there's a bigger qual uh, quantity of players there and there's, there's more spots available at that position, obviously. So um, you got Michael Thomas. You got Emmanuel Sanders. But I would say behind those two, I don't think anybody's guaranteed. Even Traquan Smith, who I like, but it's got to come, come together for a full season for him. In the sixth round, uh, going out. I did not hear this guy before uh, out of Clemson, but hey, he plays for a winning program, that's, so that's something good, right? Yeah, Gage Cervenka is his name. Um, just started doing some research, just, just kind of scanning the seven-round mocks out there from mock draft sites that I trust. His name popped up a little bit in the seventh round, a few in the sixth round. Went looked at his stuff, found out he played. He's played a lot of football. He's played guard, and he's played center. He was a starting right guard, I believe, in the national championship game. Something like 23 starts under his belt, 40-something career games, something to that, to that effect. You'd have to check the numbers on that to be uh, certain. Um, you know, it, he would be a project, um, but, you know, sometimes you just you, you latch on to a trait. Evidently, this guy is country strong. Evidently, at Clemson, his exploits in the weight room are something to watch in terms of bench press and squat. It's that old-school just bulky, just raw strength, benching, squatting, played a lot of football. Clearly they liked him at Clemson, uh, a, a school that's won a lot of games over the years. Um, really good coach and a really good sort of uh, the, way they, way, you know, the way they do things over there. So I went with Cervenka. That was kind of out of nowhere, but um, it kind of looked good. It kind of met some of the, the boxes that I like to check for a late-round pick. On this podcast right here, we're going to – we need to kill a story that, that needs to be just dead, okay? Mm. I posted your mock draft on my Facebook page, and people already started commenting, yeah, there's no a, way that mm. the, the Saints are going to take a guy from LSU. And do they – is there like – do they forget Will Clapp is on the roster yeah. the Saints drafted a guy from LSU? What What is going to take – I guess it's got to be a skill position player or a big-name guy for them to kill this narrative with the fans because I guess Will Clapp's alignment so you don't get as much notoriety as a skill position player. Yeah, and I had some people kind of reach out to me asking, oh, are you worried about being called a homer? I'm like, <laughs> no, because this year it was, it was a team for the ages. They've got a bunch of guys coming out, given where they pick. 
I think there's three guys that could potentially go to the Saints at 24 from LSU. We already have one of my first mock, Justin Jefferson. You already see the next one in Patrick Queen. But Christian Fulton's going to be lingering out there at some point in the late 20s, early 30s in the draft. So he's another guy that would fit in with what they need. So, um, no, this is a year where I just think an LSU player, given what the Saints need and what said player can, can do on the field, I think this is the best chance you'll ever have in terms of first-round pick uh, coming out of LSU, but no, it's not. I don't put it based off of purple and gold, you know, versus black and gold. Or and look, that narrative has been gone since Will Clapp. I, the, the Saints aren't avoiding. And Will Clapp's not just an LSU guy; he's a New Orleans guy. So any fear of you know being close to you know um, people close to home and people hanging around that sort of thing, I, I don't I don't see that being an issue. So if the player grades high enough and they match the grade when the Saints selected, and they're from LSU, the Saints will take them. Let's get on, stick on LSU for one second in the draft. I know you've eaten up a lot of mock drafts, looking at a lot. There's one name that is missing from every mock draft in the first round, and he was a high guy before the season started, and that's Grant Elpin. What, what, He's what starting are, to slide. He, uh, it, Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah said he has tackling problems. They don't mm-hmm. think he, they don't think he's going to go in the first round in their podcast. What has happened? Yeah, he, he went from a mid first round selection solidly to with the, the last. Now that we the the wave of free agency has hit, every mock I've checked is in the second round now. He did not play well last year. He won the award. For, was it Jim Thorpe Award? Is that, is that the award for best DB? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I, okay. If, if that was given after a sophomore year, I would have said absolutely, but he didn't He didn't deserve that award last year. Um, he's got tackling issues. Um, I know he battled an injury last year, but, you know, one-on-one in the flat against the running back or a, or a tight end, you need that safety to make that play. And it was so obvious last year. It was just – and I think it got in his head a little bit uh, as well. And I'm very curious, what is he? Is he, a, is he a, a box guy? Is he a guy that can play the deep middle, the deep half, whatever the case may be? So I can understand, because his tape his junior year is not as good as his sophomore year. But I do believe you can put that as an outlier, because I do think with some right coaching and a right situation, he'll, he'll be a good pro, because he's just scratching the surface on what he can do. In your mock draft, you did not have a running back. Alvin Kamara is in the last year of his deal. Latavius Murray has two years left. He's got a he's got an out after twenty twenty one. If it's out there, mm-hmm. do you start looking toward getting a, a rookie uh, the draft where you want to start protecting Alvin Kamara because the, the the wear and tear on these running backs is starting to get out of control. There, the Todd Gurley's twenty five and they're already acting like he's garbage mm-hmm. because he's been beat up so much. Ezekiel, it's it, his contract is held so far, but uh, Devontae Freeman's already gone uh, from Atlanta. What? Do you see them doing that to start protecting Kamara going forward there because they want him to maintain his speed and and not get beat up? You know, I haven't looked at the running back position as as closely because going in, it wasn't atop the knee. But now that it's kind of settled, it makes sense. Um, And that's a position that we've learned from the past that not just in the draft would they look for a quote-unquote replacement or a complimentary guy. That's one of those positions they usually strike gold in the undrafted ranks as well. Uh, right after the draft, signing guys. So, yeah, I do think that because I was just checking the the numbers, they only have two. It's just Kamara and Murray on the roster right now. That's it. That's why in my in my uh, story tonight on uh, Monday night on Fox Eight, um, it's supposed to air at five. We'll see if it does. Uh, I said Dwayne Washington would be a guy that would be on the cheap. He's still available out there. He was a free agent, played with the Saints last year. They may end up bringing him back at some point. But yeah, I I I agree. Um, the Saints have never been shy about drafting running backs. Um, They've done it in the first round. They've done it later. I don't think it would happen in the first round this year. But um, 
I, that's certainly a possibility. Even and if it's not possibility in the, the the five draft picks, the undrafted ranks as well. Drew Brees that came out yesterday that that in the future he could possibly be ESPN Monday Night Football. <laughs> Mickey Loomis on the Saints podcast this week. We know that Taysom Hill is the guy they're looking at a future, but when you hear Mickey Loomis say in his podcast with John DeShazer that he's the quarterback of the future, I, I think everything I guess is setting up for Breeze to retire in a year or so. Head to Monday Night Football, make a six, uh, sorry, eight, eight, eight <laughs> sorry, eight <laughs> figures salary. Of uh, it, it appears that everything's setting up where Breeze is gone, and they're gonna they're gonna ride with Taysom. Is there any? Now that a big those big free agent moves have happened, is there any urgency for the Saints to make a move on Taysom in his future? After I know he was on a one year tender right now. Yeah, I, I think it does, especially if you and I think that'll be the tell. If they get a new new deal done, he's the guy. Because if you really wanna if you really believe he's your future, if you sign him now to a long term deal before he scratches the surface, then all of a sudden that rate is a lot cheaper than a uh, a guy that that blows up and has a great year and all of a sudden's commanding what we're seeing quarterbacks make right now 20 30 whatever million dollars and that would be almost the equivalent of getting a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal if you get a long-term deal with Taysom right now because he's not going to command as much now it could be heavily incentivizing based on you know whatever whatever language they have in, in that contract but yeah to me if they sign Taysom Hill to a long-term deal that that to me is is the re- that that's the tell that's the clue that they are indeed telling the truth. Peyton has said it, Loomis has said it. No deal is done yet, um, so we'll see. But if they're if they're able, the best case scenario is once Breeze retires, Taysom slides in on a much more manageable contract, and you're able to eat some of that dead money they've been pushing off in years, you know, those voidable years down the road. Uh, and still be able to, you know, do your normal moves that you would normally make. So, best case scenario, that's how it works out. But until the contract is signed, we don't know for sure. Sean, if Breeze is the guy, maybe next one or two years, then it's Taysom Hill after. Uh, I was looking at this earlier, doing a little research. Could you name off the top of your head? I didn't rehearse this with you. The last quarterback the Saints drafted that started a game for the New Orleans Saints? Mm. It's in the late nineties. I'll give you one hint. I saw his name and I go, "Oh yeah, that dude." Oh, was it Jake? No, it was so Jake was undrafted. It was Danny Werfel in nineteen ninety. Oh wow, Danny Werfel. Wow, that's right. And it, those those Ditka years. My well, God. Well, D- Ditka bet. Uh, I cannot remember who he placed the bet with. That he said he, Danny Werfel was going to go in the top three rounds in the ninety seven draft, and he drafted him in the third round. But yeah, Jake DeLome actually went undrafted out of right. for the Raging Cajuns. But it's been 22 years since the Saints have drafted a quarterback that has started for the Saints. So I gather they've only got one first-round quarterback in their history. I, that, that's Archie. wild. That's it. Just I mean, Archie Manning. We we were all over Garrett Grayson when he came in that locker room because he was the highest drafted yeah. quarterback since since Archie. Archie Manning. That did not work out well. So Sean, so you did mock draft two. Mm-hmm. We're less than what? We're uh, less than a month from uh, from the draft. Are you going to drop one more right before? I'm going to see uh, how it goes here in the next couple of weeks. See what information I can gather, and see what uh, what what sort of uh, last minute signings the Saints end up getting. Um, and I'll probably do one more, um, but I'll, I generally like to do a third one if there's going to be some some 
differences in, in my selections, but I really like the way the second one turned out. So unless I feel there's a need, there's going to be at least three changes to the mock draft. I probably won't do one, but if I if I do do one, it will have at least three three changes on there. I, I, with this coronavirus uh, pandemic, the big story now is who's FaceTiming with yeah. with with the general manager. I, it, it's going to be it's got to be hard for people with the mock drafts when there's no workouts anymore, no personal workouts. All we're going off is a FaceTime interview for the next month. Yeah, I mean that's the only way you can do have any sort of communication with them. Um, and I, I I've said this before, it's probably going to be heavily on your scouts, heavily on the tape, which is the most important thing anyway. Um, I don't know. If there's if there's more medical risks for certain players and they can't get their own guys to check them out, if that scares off certain teams, that's certainly a possibility. Um, relying on relationships that you have with college coaches around uh, college football is certainly one. But yeah, this is going to be the draft is always a guessing game. But this year, there's, there's going to be some guesses because the information is just not going to be whole. All right, well, stay tuned. We're less than a month away from the NFL draft. Before you go, a quick reminder request to subscribe to the podcast channel to automatically get all of your content. Also, please rate and review the podcast to help spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, use the Final Play app or Tiger Huddle app to submit a question. That'll do it for us. We'll talk to you next time on Overtime. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.